Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've last podcasted. I know it took uh, a few days off last week. So uh, let's get back into it. Um, I guess the first thing really is football is kind of starting to get back to normal. We've had a bunch of players return to campus. Uh, the latest update that we've gotten in terms of COVID-19 is that uh, 87 of the players had been tested. 80 of those test results had come back positive and seven were still kind of uh, TBD. Um, but Blake, that's obviously a, a very encouraging start to, for Florida. You know, there's been other places. I think Texas Today reported they've now had 13 cases and they've got another 10 players isolated. Uh, Alabama's had some cases. Uh, for the most part, Florida so far seems to be handling things pretty well. And, you know, obviously it's no guarantee that, you know, things stay that way. I'm sure at some point there will be a positive test. Uh, but, Blake, good to see Florida kind of getting back into the swing of things here with football. Yeah, no doubt. With just kind of how everything's been on hold. And, you know, you kind of have to put a lot of faith in your players, you know, during, during the time away that, you know, they're following the rules of what they want you to do. And, and, and I guess in the grand scheme that you want them to come back in at least as close of or, you know, even better shape than what they left in. So I think it's a good thing for Florida, the fact that, you know, just as you're going, um, you know, everything seems to be good. Like you said, just the tests, you know, all those coming back negative for popping up with, you know, with the virus. So I think now you have to continue to try to guide through the ways of, you know, social distancing and, and you're making sure that, you know, you're doing things safely. And, you know, and it seems like Florida is doing that. I've seen some clips of, you know, kind of the workout equipment they have set up in the indoor practice facility. And it seems like things are kind of spread out. And, you know, it just seems like, uh, you know, it's what you want to see. It, it seems like they're being safe. And I think it just kind of, for me, it all ties back in the fact that, Florida's bringing back a lot of pieces from last year's team. There's not a lot of change. We've talked about these things before and how, you know, maybe this break in football really wasn't something that sure it would affect Florida in some instances, but some of these other schools that are having, you know, new players at different positions, new coaching staffs or new regimes altogether. So I think it's just, it's another positive for Florida. You know, you're not having these holdups and these extra, you know, kind of, you know, wait and see how this virus goes. It seems like they're kind of getting back to everything to normal which is going to continue to translate whenever football does come back later on. Yeah, I think the big question you kind of hinted at it was, you know, what kind of shape do players come back in? You know, are they in uh, are they in better shape? I think that's very unlikely. You know, we talked to Nick Savage earlier on in this uh, this COVID-19 pandemic, and he basically said, you know, they've got to be realistic about it. You know, the, the lack of access that guys have, not just to uh, equipment, but, but to somebody that can really push them, a la, you know, a Savage and his crew. Uh, you just you can't expect them to come back in as good shape. And so I think one of the more interesting things to see, you know, as we kind of get a little deeper into this summer strength and conditioning program is, you know, who is in shape, who took it seriously. I think those it, particularly this year, you know, you always have guys that go after it a little harder in the weight room. But I think particularly this year, coaches are going to get a pretty good idea of the guys that are truly bought in and ready to play. And I think a lot of guys will have earned themselves, you know, a chance to get on the field early, a chance to maybe play more snaps based on 
you know, the kind of work that they they showed in terms of their buy-in uh, while they were away from the program. Uh, we did talk to to Dan Mullen on Tuesday, Blake, and it was a little interesting. You know, that was one of the you know the big questions from reporters was how you know how are the guys how are how are how are they physically? And I thought it was kind of interesting that Dan Mullen was basically like, I don't really know yet, um, you know, that they are still very early in this. And I think uh, the reason for that wasn't necessarily that, you know, he just didn't want to share or that he doesn't have a, a decent idea of where they're at. But I think more so Florida really is being pretty cautious with this whole thing. You know, they've really taken it slow. They've made sure that workout groups are in much smaller numbers. You reference them moving the entire weight room over to the indoor practice facility. Those are all steps that Florida's taking to, to kind of make sure they go about this return smartly. You know, because if you do have players not taking it seriously, if you're not monitoring them closely every time they come into the facility, you could easily have an outbreak where, you know, you lose two weeks worth or, or more, really, because by the time you do all the contact tracing and all that, you know, you're talking multiple players out for at least two weeks. Uh, that's a significant chunk to be missing. And so Florida really, really is ramping this thing up slowly. Um, and then from a safety standpoint, they're also, Blake, making sure that, you know, these guys aren't overtaxed right away. I mean, you can't just jump in and pretend that these guys haven't been away for three months. You know, some guys may be able to do that. Some guys may be kept up. But just human nature, man, some of these guys have not been doing quite as much, right? That's just how it is. Uh, and so I think Florida's being very safe uh, with their return. But, Blake, uh, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. Let's let's talk about that experience factor because I thought Dan Mullen had some interesting comments, particularly when it related to Kyle Trask, um, about – how well positioned Florida is potentially to kind of take the next step forward in 2020. I mean, let, let's just generally hit on that. What, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but going back to it, why, why do you think Florida is poised maybe to uh, take a step forward where other teams maybe are going to be treading water a little bit early on, especially, you know, I just think it has to deal with just the defense. Uh, Florida lost two key pieces, Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga, but they also bring back, I believe, you know, take those guys out of the equation of everyone that they lost. I still believe that the guys they brought back still led the SEC total in sacks. Um, so they bring that, that, that experience factor of getting to the quarterback because that's how Florida's defense really thrives. They bring back most of the secondary players. You know, you bring back guys like Marco Wilson and, you know, Sean Davis and all these guys that you were know, probably cusp guys, of, you know, should they go to the NFL or should they not? But you, quite frankly in the past you've seen those guys make the decision to jump the mm -hmm. NFL when you're dealing with Florida so I think just getting those kind of key pieces that back like that sure there there are still some questions in certain areas and you know I think for the most part the questions are you know depth you know guys backing up you know getting you know fresh legs in and who those will be not necessarily you know flat out who's going to be the guy who's going to do this and then you kind of look at the Florida on offense you know it's it's year three under Dan Mullen you know, not a lot of different changes on the staff as far as, you know, a tight ends coach that, you know, is coming in with, you know, probably the best player on the Florida's roster in general and, and uh, Kyle Pitts. So I think looking at Kyle Trask, what he did last year, and, you know, I've kind of followed some clips of him over, you know, the offseason, and it does look like Kyle Trask has slimmed up a little bit. He's kind of cut a little bit of that, you know, kind of baby fat that he, so to say, had. And he, he's looking, you know, like he's a little bit leaner. Um, I just think there's so many pieces coming back. Again, the offensive line for me is always going to be the question mark. They really didn't, mm -hmm. it, didn't get it figured out at all times last season. But I think you bring in a guy like Stuart Reese, who, yes, he's a new player, but he knows the you know the scheme. He was recruited by these coaches. He knows how they are, and I just think that he's a guy that you know he brings in that plug and play ability with him. You know, being able to play a little you know right tackle or even guard. So 
I think that the answers that Florida brought in this season, you know, Lorenzo Lingard, a guy who has an immediate waiver to play next year. Some of the questions I had on offense, you bring in some players like that through the transfer portal that can now play. You return a lot of these players on offense and defense. So I, I think that the experience factor there makes me feel a little bit better about a, a you know a Florida team, you know, that doesn't have any changes, really big changes on the roster and the coaching staff. So I think all those things for me are what really jumps out there. Yeah, and we always talk about it in the spring, particularly, you know, when spring ball starts up and the first couple days of practice, you know, we're reporting on, you know, how the team looks and stuff like that. And we always invariably get these comments. Oh, it sounds like the offense is really struggling. You know, even when they return a quarterback, a lot of times uh, the offense tends to be behind the defense. That's just kind of the nature of of how the learning goes. You know, defense is reacting. Sure which is easier to do. And the, the offense really, you right. really have that's to fine football. tune this. You team. go to anything like that. That's, that's par for course. So yeah, and definitely. I, I think we'll see some of that in the fall. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of offenses be a little bit behind. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, so many people are high on Florida with what they return. Like you said, on the offensive line, having a guy like Kyle Trask, um, you know, Dan Mullen talked about it. The biggest improvement for him is just going to be that he knows he can do it now. I mean, that he's been in games, he's been in live fire, um, you know, and really he's looked very comfortable doing it. So, yes, you've got to replace some key pieces. You have four senior receivers gone. You know, LaMichael Piran was an incredibly talented all-around back, uh, just could kind of do it all. But you've got pieces. You know, you talked about Lorenzo Lingard getting cleared. I think that's huge because we've talked about it on this show in the past. Beyond Damian Pierce, I'm not overly stoked about that running back room. I just, it's not that they can't be good. I just didn't have a whole lot of confidence in the guys behind Pierce. I think you add an extra option in a Lorenzo Lingard, who's an extremely explosive, very speedy back, at least when he's healthy. Um, to me, that's, that's a significant upgrade to that room. You know, Florida doesn't know yet on some of the other transfers. I think they're waiting on uh, waivers for Justin Shorter, a former five-star receiver out of Penn State, and then Jordan Pouncey. Uh, you know, a receiver out of Texas, you get either of those guys cleared all of a sudden, you know, you don't feel as bad about the receiver room either, where you've, you know, you've got enough options uh, that you're going to have some, some, some real potential there. And, and I look at the freshman class that Florida brought in, particularly at receiver, you know, Xavier Henderson and, and Jaquavian Frazier's, maybe you can give us a little more background on them as prospects. But to me, those guys both look like big physical types that can, that can step in and play right away. No doubt. I, I, Xavier Henderson, I'm, I'm extremely high on him. You look at his track times, you look at his size. I think he's a guy that he was a little far off from being a five star as far as the rankings go, but he was a guy that you could make a case in certain instances, you know, that he had that kind of ability just with the size, the speed, just the production he's had coming off that state championship year um, for his senior year. So, I mean, he's a guy that has made a lot of pieces. I would be very shocked if he doesn't get some way of cracking in there and getting some snaps. You know, it's funny you bring up uh, Jaquavion Frazier's. For the most part, just following him, you know, he's a guy who committed early and just kind of following him. He had a really good senior year, and you're kind of looking like, man, this is a guy. But you kind of expect those high D1 guys to really just go out just completely obliterate these teams on Friday nights. And, and again, I was, you know, thinking a little bit higher of him during that season than I was maybe when he first committed. But then he goes out to the Under Armour game. He had a really big showing. I mean, this is against other D1, high D1 mm -hmm. players. And he was really showing out. He showed, you know, really trusty hands. He made those kind of catches in traffic. Um, you know, he may not be the fastest guy on the field, but he does have some football speed. Maybe not the straight line speed that Xavier Henderson has or, you know, that quick acceleration. But he's just a guy that makes plays. So I think seeing that... You know, if I had to pick one of the two who would probably be the more likely to make an impact in their first season, I would pick Henderson any day of the week. But I do think Frazier's is one of those guys that's sneakily one that could come in and, you know, maybe not make a huge impact, but he could get his feet wet. He could kind of smooth that transition over to where whenever you lose, you know, you know, 
likely Kyle Pitts is gone if he has a great season this year. Um, J- uh, Jacob Copeland is another guy that you know is kind of an unknown, and you know that signing class of 2019. You know, not really any guys that jump out that you know. Yep, this is going to be a guy who's going to make an impact next season. So I think getting those guys in the mix can really kind of help Florida kind of combat, you know, to mix these guys who they've gotten through the transfer portal and kind of mixing in that young fusion. I think that your rooms work best when you can have a mixture of some young talent that you can count on and some experienced guys that you can count on as well. So I think that that's what Florida has a chance to do with those guys. Yeah, and the tricky part this year is going to be, you know, are those guys significantly set back by the fact that they weren't on campus for the whole summer? I mean, you know, the summer enrollees probably aren't hurt quite as much, but the early enrollees miss a lot of time that they would have otherwise gotten to be on the field. Sure. Um, and so I almost I almost wonder, are, you know, is it those second year players maybe that have a chance to really emerge as contributors, you know, particularly going to the, to the defensive side of the ball, Blake? Uh, you mentioned, I think, the biggest difference in the reason you probably feel comfortable with Florida's defense right now is that, yeah, you don't necessarily have a known Jonathan Grenard, a known Jabari Zaniga. But your depth overall is significantly better than it has been in the last couple of years. And I think there's a lot of second year players that I look at and say, that guy could take a real jump, you know, Chris Bogle, uh, Mohamed Di- Diabate. Um, you know, there's a bunch of guys like that that I think are going to make a real difference. Blake, are there any of those second-year guys on defense that that you think makes a big jump this year? Uh, you know, I think the guys in the secondary were going to be ones. You know, again, you know, you bring back, you know, a lot of the guys in the safety room that are upperclassmen, some of these, you know, Obviously, Kyer Elam is going to be one that is kind of a no-brainer for me. But I think Chester Kimbrough, Jaden Hill, those are some guys too. But I think the linebacker room is really interesting. The fact that I think Muhammad Di- uh, Mumu Diabate is going to be one that really comes in. They saw him last year as more of an edge rusher. I think this year you're going to see them kind of move him into a little bit more of a versatile player to where you can kind of move him around different linebacker spots. I don't think you're going to see him just as that, you know, edge rusher buck type of guy. I think you're going to see him kind of move around and he played some middle linebacker in his senior year. So it's not somewhere that he's completely, you know, unknown, but I think he's one that really jumps out to me right there on, on the defensive side. I think he's one that Florida is going to really count on him this year. And I think Tyron Hopper is another one too. Florida was very high on him coming out as a recruit. He took that red shirt year last year. I think he's just moving more into kind of that twitchy, athletic, you know, can drop back in coverage, but is also physical and, you know, stopping the run. I think that that's where Florida's going to want to kind of start turning their linebacker room into. And I think that those are guys that are going to count on this year. Yeah. And the one thing I love about Florida's defense is it seems like they're very, very good at getting young players involved early. You know what I mean? And the way that Todd Grantham structures the system. There's so many different roles that, you know, Florida's defense has. You talk about the money linebacker spot, you know, there, there's that uh, that buck spot. But then there's also the spot kind of in between, uh, you know, like a Sam and a buck, where I think that's kind of the role that Diabate played last year. More of like just pure, pure rush end, but not necessarily every down type guy. Um, I think that, you know, that's a spot that they can get some guys involved. Um, and I think Diabate, you know, as it, hopefully he rounds out his frame a little bit more, like you said, slides a little bit more into the middle. But I look at it, too, like a like a, a Javon Dexter, you know, is a guy that can slide in and they can keep things pretty simple for him early on and say, hey, you're just a pass rusher for us right now. The more you gain confidence, the more you get experience, the more we'll start playing you every down. But I, I look at Florida's system and there's a lot of guys like that. I mean, Chris Bogle, the role he played last year was very narrowly focused, um, but it helps build confidence. And then, you, you know, you get the chance for some of these second year breakouts. Um, you know, obviously, Kyrie Elam, you know, he's already a star in my in my opinion. I thought he played well enough last year to do that. But when you have so many guys that we're talking about as potential breakout guys, you know, that that goes back to the overall point about the depth just being better. You know, when you have enough of those guys and that's why recruiting is so, so important. 
you just need to keep stacking talent on talent on talent. You know, you look at the Alabamas, the Clemsons, you know, the Georgias. The reason those teams are at the top every year is they can lose a guy and have somebody ready to plug in that's just as talented. Um, I don't think that Florida is quite there yet, and and we'll get to this in the second half of the segment when we discuss recruiting. Um, but I think they're 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 definitely getting there on the defensive side of the ball. You know, maybe still some question marks when it comes to offensive recruiting. Uh, but this Florida team is getting closer, and I know we've talked about it several times. If there's every year to strike, when you've got a fifth year senior quarterback who's coming back after a great campaign as a junior, uh, you've got an offensive line that even if they weren't very good, returns four starters has the potential to make a real jump. Um, and then you've got a defense that really has pieces all around to where you should be able to put together a pretty good unit. You know, schedule sets up favorably. Georgia's got a much tougher schedule this season. This is the year to make a run for Florida. Uh, I think we both agree on that. But Blake, let's let's talk a little bit about the future because you know recruiting is kind of all we've really been able to focus on with with not a whole lot of football. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on how things are going there. Let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and we'll get back with Blake's thoughts on the current state of Florida recruiting right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I know recruiting's been a little funky with, you know, prospects not really able to get on campus. You know, we've talked a lot about the virtual visits that these coaches are, are kind of hosting recruits on as they walk around, you know, showing them campus with Zoom calls and, uh, and video footage and whatnot. But frankly, there's, I think, a little bit of a sense in the fan base right now of maybe a little bit of frustration when it comes to recruiting. You know, obviously, Florida started off this class extremely, extremely well and locked up, like we've talked about, a lot of their commits very early on. They're already at 17, so there's not a whole lot of spots left. Um, but, Blake, looking at it, I guess kind of the, the crux of the question is, can Florida finish strong? You know, right now they're sitting there with the number eight class in the country, the number two class in the SEC. But like we talked about, spots are limited going forward, which means, you know, you really have to land some elite types to potentially rise up in the rankings or at least even maybe even potentially hold your spot in that top 10 there. Where do things stand right now? Are there any guys that you've kind of got circled that, you know, fans should be watching for? Or 
is Florida mostly just going to have to wait at this point because most of the elite targets they're, you know, they're going after are going to make decisions later in the process. You know, I think that there might be a couple here and there that kind of shake out to, to, you know, maybe earlier than expected. Um, And I think that's kind of comparing them to, you know, the guys who are going to wait are talking December, you know, so I, I think the majority of the guys, you know, down in Palmetto, um, Florida has quite a bit of targets down there um, that are waiting till December signing day. Xavier Sori, one of Florida's top linebacker guys, he's not even sure if he's going to do December or February right now. So, I mean, mm-hmm. for the most part, some of these top tier type of guys for Florida, they're talking about, you know, a later decision, closer to signing day. If not, take some official visits in the fall and kind of go from there. So, I, I think for the most part, you know, maybe just the guy that kind of jumps out from the top of my head that looks like he may make a decision earlier than anybody or even two guys. Um, four-star safety, uh, Donovan McMillan. He's a safety out of uh, Pennsylvania. Um, he was just in Florida last weekend. I know that, you know, obviously real unofficial visits are kind of off the books for right now, but he went a little bit more proactive with it. Um, to worry, no, yeah, he couldn't meet with the coaches. Um, he stopped by Texas A&M uh, the week before last and was able to kind of tour around there on his own. His family, they, they kind of tailored their family vacation where they could fit in some of these visits and kind of walk around and get somewhat of a feel. You know, yeah, you can't meet with these coaches in person, but you could easily FaceTime these guys and kind of walk around. And, and it, it's maybe not the same thing as, you know, kind of seeing the sights and this, set and the other. But for the most part, I mean, technology, the way it works now, man, I mean, you get a video call. It's it's pretty much like being there now. So he stopped HD. by Texas A&M. <laughs> sure, yeah, and, and it's in 4K and all that, man. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he got a chance to do that. He got a chance to stop by Florida and get the sights and see everything there. Um, he should be in Virginia Tech um, on Friday, and, and I believe he's going to be there for a couple days there. So he's actually talking about maybe sometime in July making a commitment, uh, heading into those you know kind of string of unofficial visits, if you want to call them that. He, I was hearing at least Virginia Tech and Florida battle. I think A and M is somewhere in the mix there, but I think that Florida has set themselves up well. He's got uh, his father has family ties, I believe, to the Orlando area. Um, they've got some family friends in the area, so I mean there there is some familiarity with the Sunshine State there. So I think that. Florida set themselves up well there. Um, I don't know that it's quite a slam dunk for him to maybe decide in July yet, but he has mentioned that, so that's something to you know kind of keep an eye on. Another safety for Florida three-star uh, Dakota Mitchell. Um, he's out of uh, Winter Park in Central Florida area. Uh, he recently decommitted from LSU. He committed there, I believe it was in like March or, or early April when he committed to LSU, and he's since backed off of that. Florida's been that dream school growing up. He's really tight with some of the coaches. He's been there many a times. Florida has two guys on the roster now from Winter Park and Ethan and and, uh, Jordan Pouncey. So there's some familiarity there. He played for Kiwan Ratliff's uh, 7-on-7 team Rat Pack back in the day. So um, there's a lot to like about Florida there. Uh, Dakota is actually, he did a a virtual visit with Florida um, on Wednesday night. Um, And that was his first time visiting, I believe, since... It might have been like February, or if not, it was a game last year. Um, so it was a chance to kind of come back and you know kind of hang out with the staff and you know maybe get a refresher course on some things. And he's actually talking about maybe a July Fourth commitment. I don't know that that's totally something that he's really locked in and you know set in stone and kind of put you know dead set on doing this. I think right now it's something he's looking into. So those are two guys just off the top of my head um, that are talking about an earlier decision. Another one, four-star linebacker Jamon Johnson. Um, out of Maryland, St. Francis Academy. He's talking maybe a July 8th decision. I don't quite expect Florida to be the pick there. Um, I know Maryland is kind of filled up, so to say, on the defensive side. Um, I, right now, I, what I'm hearing is that 
to not expect Florida to be the pick on the eighth. Um, we've still got some time till that, you know, a couple weeks until the eighth. So, you know, we're only 18 days into June now. So it's, you know, kind of some things, you know, with the coronavirus, coronavirus done and everything, things have been kind of fluid recruiting. I mean, you see guys that are committing to schools without ever visiting, you know, they're kind of setting up dates and, uh, you know, and, and still talking about committing and, and, you know, taking visits after the fact. So he's another one, another guy on July 11th. Uh, Kyrie Jackson, he's a junior corner, uh, junior college cornerback. Um, he's from Maryland originally. He plays at East Mississippi Juco right now. So um, I, I don't really know that I have any clarity deep down in that recruitment right now. Um, I know kind of some contacts around the network were saying, you know, maybe Alabama, Florida, Oklahoma are the teams to keep an eye on there for right now. So I'm still kind of digging there. But, I mean, past those guys, I don't know that I really see any guys that jump out as, you know, someone who set a date or anything like that to that aspect. But, for the, I mean, the majority of Florida's targets are talking signing day, you know, sometime in the fall, take some official visits and go from there. But there are a handful of guys that are talking, you know, maybe a little bit earlier. Yeah, and for, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, obviously we talked about Florida having a lot of veteran safeties. Um, that's the spot that they absolutely need to uh, to shore up in recruiting. So it's good that they have a lot of targets on the board there, maybe even some that are making decisions, you know, relatively soon. Blake, I, I think both of us feel similarly that the defensive recruiting, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the first half of the show, has been pretty good. You know, that Florida's really adding talent and depth on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, I know Florida had one target that they had maybe hoped to get uh, just just make recently make a commitment. Can you fill us in on that and maybe where the offensive recruiting stands right now? Uh, yeah, four-star wide receiver Christian Leary. Um, he had, I'd say probably the top three were Alabama, Auburn, and Florida. Uh, he recently committed to uh, excuse me to Alabama. Um, that was the team that had kind of been trending for him. He had talked at one point about a June six commitment. He he went past that saying he was going to, you know, kind of wait things out and see where it went. And he, he uh, changed his mind and uh, committed to Alabama on the 16th. So I, he had mentioned in the past, taking some visits after the fact, you know, go in the fall and kind of take some official visits, unofficial visits coming out of that commitment. He says he's not going to be doing that anymore. That's something we're just going to have to wait and see how that goes in the fall. If he, you know, changes his mind and wants to check some things out and take some visits, but past that, you know, I, there's not really a lot of guys that are seem to be leaning towards Florida's way right now on the offensive side. So, you know, I think past a guy like four-star Marcus Burke, who named Florida his leader back in March following a junior day and still uncommitted now. George is kind of sniffing around there. So I think past that right now, you know, there's just not really anyone that really kind of jumps out that, you know, Florida's probably the odds-on favorite for right now on the offensive side. So it does seem like things are moving a little bit smoother on the defensive side. Yeah, and it, it's a little confusing to me because you look at it, you know, the, the class of players that Florida just put out, you had three receivers drafted in the NFL draft, the most of any college out there. You know, Michael Pirine went in the fourth round. So to me, you know, not only if, not only can you sell playing time, but uh, you also have the NFL draft out there. I mean, you're, you're, Florida's staff has done such a good job developing players that it's a little confusing to me that they're struggling so much on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I don't... I don't know the exact reasons behind that. Um, maybe it's individual recruiters, maybe not being quite as good on the recruiting trail. They're, you know, they're better at developing talent than maybe recruiting it. Um, but I, I do think there is some truth as well to the fact that, you know, spots are tight right now. And then also Florida seems to do a lot better, you know, when they're actually out there on the field, when they're, you know, they're able to host recruits. And, uh, that maybe is a little bit scary for for Florida fans right now. Is you, I don't know that you know schools are going to be able to host recruits. You know that's going to be such a potential liability issue uh, that who knows if if prospects are able to take official visits for for games. You know maybe they're able to take official visits where you know they come in and stuff. But there's there's a lot of logistics there that maybe are a little bit scary, uh, particularly considering that seems to be the strength 
particularly when it comes to offensive recruiting, is when they can get them on the field, sell the offense, you know, sell the crowd, sell all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, you'd hope to see a little bit of an uptick in offensive recruiting, um, you know, looking at Florida's commitment list. The good news is two of their top four commits are, are wide receivers right now. Um, so, you know, you've got you've got some guys committed, but you'd, you'd like to see Florida start to land more of these truly elite types, you know, like like a, a Christian Leary. Um, you know, I, I think that there's always areas for improvement. And right now, if you were looking for one thing that I think Florida could do a little bit better on it's, it's recruiting and specifically offensive recruiting. Uh, I, you know, I think that they'll get it together. Um, but eventually, you know, the, the way you get past the Georgias, you know, where frankly Florida has struggled to score against them is you put a bunch of elite playmakers on the field. You know, we started to see it last year with Kyle Pitts where he was really uncoverable. Now you just need to get to the place where you have, you know, not only a Kyle Pitts and a Van Jefferson, but you have, you know, somebody like maybe a Xavier Henderson who can make plays from anywhere. You have a Lorenzo Lingard who's got that home run ability. You know, Florida's starting to get there. You'd just like to see them, in my opinion, Blake, get there a little bit quicker on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt. And I think whenever you have some guys that have left that wide receiver room, but, you know, you look at the guys they got in 19, you look at the guys they got in 20, and even some guys they have in 21 now, I think for the most part, the big cluster of guys you see on the wide receiver board, you're not going to lay in all of them. Christian Leary was a big hit for Florida. He was a guy that they really liked with his speed. He has elite track speed. Um, watching him in the state championship game this past year, I mean, he had two uh, rushing touchdowns against St. Thomas Aquinas, which is one of the best high schools in the state of Florida. So that alone, those two plays where he had scoring, long scoring touchdowns really kind of showed that breakaway speed. And yes, those are the kind of guys that Florida needs to keep landing. But you know, you look at you know the wide receiver room and the guys they brought in there. Um, I think you're going to see them have to, you know, land a Marcus Burke. Um, you find some way to kind of bring in a Brashard Smith, who is a, an in-state guy that's more of a slot receiver. I think that's still a pretty good class wide receiver for Florida. But the name of the game is just kind of shutting things down and kind of closing things down. So I think that's really the thing where a lot of fans really want to see that. You know, you see these kind of bonds, you know, built early on. Florida's, you know, really good. You know, relationships are great. They're really good at building relationships there. But I think the big thing is just kind of shutting things down, closing it down, and kind of winning out these battles. I think that's where you want to see the kind of the success for Florida on the trail. Yeah, finishing it off and, and kind of sealing the deal. Blake, is there uh, is there anything else you wanted to discuss with recruiting before we kind of sign off on the show here? Nothing off the top of my head. I think we covered it a lot. You know, things have been kind of, uh, you know, busy on the virtual visit front. They continue to kind of do, you know, three to four, maybe even five of those, uh, you know, a day. So they're really kind of churning those out a lot. Um, they're mixing that with kind of getting everything back to normal with football coming back and players working out and stuff. So, I mean, it's busy times for Florida. I think they're going to continue to kind of continue to hash out these uh, these virtual visits with guys to kind of stay current, you know, with just, you know, the shutdown and everything. And I think, I, I, like, it draws back to what you said earlier. I totally agree. I think this staff is really good at selling, you know, the in-person visits, getting guys on campus and kind of showing that the staff has that, you know, true, I, I guess, love for Florida, so to say. I think they're really good at kind of selling their brain in person. I'm not totally sure that, you know, the virtual way is kind of really their bread and butter. So I think right now for Florida, it's kind of, I guess, so to say, treading water and kind of continue to get through this dead period and, and, you know, hopefully getting guys to where you can come back to campus this fall, kind of show what they do on the offensive side, kind of show what they do day to day. So I think that's where the staff really excels at. So I think for now, that's kind of the goal is, is you know, kind of getting things back ready for the season and, and getting maybe some normalcy back there. No, for sure. That'll definitely help. You know, it's funny. We were on a Zoom call with Dan Mullen the other day, a bunch of reporters and, and Dan, and he was uh, kind of middle of an answer and, and his phone kind of buzzed and he uh, he had to get off the Zoom call to 
you know, briefly to to do a recruiting visit, uh, you know, real quick with the recruit. So they're, it's not like they're not doing things, you know, like a lot of times when you see a lack of commitments, you know, some of the, the hardcore recruit Knicks or the fans think, you know, there's just nothing happening. No, they're still, they're still out there recruiting. They're doing all those things. Uh, like you said, Blake, it's just a matter of, you know, finishing the deal and, and really getting that final little push with a lot of these guys. But uh, guys, that'll do it for the show today. We thank you for tuning in. Uh, Blake and I will be back next week talking more Florida football, hopefully, uh, as we get a little bit closer to the fall 2020 season in whatever shape that may take. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.